Coming up on this episode of Up for Debate, we're talking the future of media. That's right, how you'll consume books, TV, music, and more in the future will they stream directly into your eyeballs. We're going to get all creative and interesting as we look towards the future in this episode of Up for Debate. Stick around. It's going to start right now. This is Up for Debate, episode number 56, recorded July 21st, 2016. The future of entertainment. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, uh, the podcast that still uses old media. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, uh, by the man who can see into the future. It's Matt Mariani. How are you doing, Mr. Sean? I'm looking forward to this new future of media we have going on. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting discussion to... uh, to see exactly where we go um, in the in the future. I don't now, know. being being as uh, as though um, being a, being a media person as oh. yourself <laughs> is that a, is that a good thing? I don't, I don't I don't know what that means. Time and time again, um, I think that in this episode we'll we'll do something a little bit different. Where I think um, I as a casual observer of media trends and you as the brilliant researcher of uh all things media um yes i just described you as a brilliant researcher there's a reason i haven't stopped you keep going this is great (laughs) um i think that uh i should do most of the question asking and you can do a majority of the question answering um and I think we'll we'll both explore together what we have uh, in store for us, what there is in store for us as um, media consumers in the future. I think so. And, you know, before we get into that, I do want to mention, you know, if you're interested in this topic, there is another show you might like. It's called Don't Panic. And we kind of talk about it in some ways every week. Um, you guys talk about the future every day. The future talk- is always now. The future is always now, especially... Monday nights. Uh, you should check it out. Don'tpanic.io is the website. Sure, already. Um, right I after will... I made that statement, we moved a couple seconds into the future. Uh, and by the way, speaking of future media, I just got a text from my sister asking, "Has Netflix been okay for you? It's been really slow the last two days." There we I guess go. I control That's how fast the Netflix is. We can start. We can start with the Netflix. The Netflix. The Netflix. The Netflix. You know, Netflix is actually pretty interesting, Matt. And let me tell you why. I would As love a business, to you know. It, The thing about Netflix, right, and I think you would agree, is that it's all about what content is available on Netflix, right? That's why you pay for it. If Netflix doesn't have things you don't want to watch, you won't pay for it, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Especially in a subscription model where you can cancel at any time. Netflix constantly has to have new content, whether it's original content or content that they're uh, they purchase from somebody else, and they have to keep you as a subscriber, keep you interested. Their whole business runs on growing their subscriber base. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's it's just like one giant, uh, one giant garbage disposal where they just have to dump as much garbage as possible, and then it, the garbage disposal churns it and grinds it up, and then you know, then when you're out of garbage, you just gotta you gotta keep loading more garbage or the garbage disposal consumers are not going to be happy with it well you're you're partly right 
I'm, I'll give you I'll give you 50% credit on the analogy. You're right in the fact that, that it, it is a large quantity you constantly have to be filling. But what's interesting about Netflix is it's all about the metrics. Because a garbage disposal is messy and chops it in bulk. But Netflix actually laser targets. This might interest you. And maybe you've never noticed this. You ever go on Netflix and notice the album art? Well, well the sort of art that represents the TV show changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it changes every once in a while. They do that on purpose, and they only change it for some people. What? It's all psychology, and you don't realize it, because they found that um, they'll test different art with different consumers, because they know based on your subscriber profile who you are, um, and what your viewing habits are, and they'll actually target the art to try to incentivize you to more likely to click and to watch that show. If you scroll by it one day, the next day they may put different art they think you're more likely to click on. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's all about the metrics. That's where a lot of the value comes in. Um, now, uh, so for example, my artwork that will appear for, for say, Cutthroat Kitchen, mm -hmm. which is a, a wonderful program that they have on Netflix. I've been binge watching yeah. uh, recently. That artwork will be different than, say, uh, what like my sister would have on her netflix well it's possible i mean it's not that they've even it, what you might have on your netflix Sean? sure i mean they'll, they'll cycle between you know five and ten different pieces of art it's not like it's unlimited um oh. but it's but, just they they make they make a point of changing it every with some regularity so you think that i mean you, you mentioned before that that change is based on the demographic of the viewer or of the account holder whoever's netflix account it is now. Are they are they extrapolating those like that information? Are they getting that from the sh the other shows you watch? That's so. Part of for it. example, if you watch a lot of say you watch a lot of comedies, they'll they'll find like a a, a funny looking still from a show or a movie, and they'll use that as the as the still image. Wow. That's exactly the idea, and that's the simple version of it. Doing recommendations based on other recommendations, and I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not, but it's one of the easier things. Then they start to fold in things like your age and your gender and your and demographic, where you live, your location. I mean, Netflix can say, you know, people in your town, Matt, might really like a show, and people where I live might like totally different stuff. They can do it that way. I mean... Again, the more this is why Facebook is so valuable and so successful at what they do is because they know everything about you and can target things in such an uncomfortably tight way that you you don't understand how they know you better than you know you. But wow. that's where the that's money comes in. And you you know, for example, when Netflix signed that big deal with Adam Sandler, right, where they're going to release like ten of his movies, and we all thought they were crazy. Um, also, by the well, by the way, probably the most ingenious thing that Adam Sandler has ever done in his career. It's wow. pretty smart. Guaranteed money to yeah, make guaranteed money to keep making his shitty movies without all the headlines of without people hate Adam Sandler movies and no one went yes. and saw them because Netflix doesn't without, release the stats it's, and it's not going to get destroyed by critics or even if it does that doesn't equate to a big box office failure. Mm -hmm. But the beauty Jeez. of that is apparently, and I guess we have to trust that Netflix knows what they're doing. Their demographics and their metrics said. Our subscribers will, will continue to keep their subscription because we have these Adam Sandler movies. Well, yeah, and that, that kind of connects to, have you heard of hate watching? Yeah, absolutely. It, people hate watch a lot of Adam Sandler movies, especially because they're on Netflix, they're free. 
you're not paying twelve dollars for a, for a ticket to go see the the what is it the not the silly eight what was the the parody of the the oh cow- yeah, yeah yeah I know what you're talking yeah the screwball eight or whatever yeah. it was called um uh and you you can hate watch it you can actually just watch it and be like wow I can't believe how stupid this is um, but I'm watching it anyway I don't know who spends their time like that I think you have to be a a pretty big masochist to just sit in front of an Adam Sandler movie. Although uh, that was made after Waterboy. Matt, you have to remember we are the guys who watched how many seasons of Bones. Uh, I I have to distinctly disagree. I did not watch a single episode of Bones. Uh-huh. Um, for the record, for yeah, so for I that did, record, I I did sit and watch the um, the uh, the movie where the hamsters became spies. They were guinea pigs. They were guinea pigs. Oh, guinea Let's pigs, be specific. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. God, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's what's interesting, right? It's all about getting them to pay. Uh, but the point I was getting at is the problem Netflix has. Content is really expensive. And Netflix, over the next couple of years, is going to owe billions and billions of dollars in contract money that they signed to get the rights to these movies. Yeah. So the question is, and this is where the future of entertainment comes in, getting back to our point that we've explained how Netflix works. I'm wondering where the tipping point comes where, let's say you're the Disney Corporation and you're putting out a new movie, okay? You, at this point, should be able to figure out what you're more likely, if you can get your demographic, what you can charge them to see that movie, right? In a theater, it might be $11 or $9. If you rent it on a digital service, it might be $5. To buy it on a digital service is $20. For Netflix, they have a price per subscriber, whatever that is, based on your monthly subscription and the likelihood of you watching it, there's a value, right? Right. But I'm interested in, at what point does it become, it doesn't become cost-effective, for bulk subscription services to carry these movies. Maybe this is getting too financial in the weeds, but, uh, you know, it'll get to the point no, I, where, yeah, you know, Netflix has a million movies, and because they have to pay for all of them, right? can they get enough people at $12 a month to to make the numbers work? I, I definitely think they can. Um my only concern there is you see how how Netflix raised their price recently they only raised it by i think a dollar um or it might have been a dollar 99 mm-hmm. probably a dollar something like that um if they continue to slyly just just ever so incrementally increase their subscriptions i think that might hit a tipping point where people are just like, it's just not worth it for me anymore. It's getting too expensive. I think theoretically there's a lot of wiggle room in there. Just looking at it from the average consumer, I think would, if need be, I think they would pay about $15 a month to to keep their Netflix subscription. Sure. Right now it's at nine, Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are different tiers. I think the bare minimum is 10. 10. It just went up to 10. Yes. Um, just for the, yeah, just for that bare subscription. I think, I think the threshold there would be, would be 15. I think that that's the point where you would start getting, uh, once you hit that 15 mark, I think you'd get people saying, wait a minute, I don't, and again, I, I don't know about the, the finances, (laughs) 
in depth or the the money signs and all that and the the but i think that that would probably to me see signal the beginning of the end potentially unless they want to start offering more incentives well you know you know what always interested me was this idea that cable is too expensive so i'm going to cut the cord and go streaming i actually disagree with that premise i don't think cable is too expensive I think cable costs an appropriate amount for what you're getting because you're getting 200 channels. Now, some of them you don't want, right? And, and that's fair. And I think we can all agree that that's why they can charge us because they bundle them and you don't have a choice. You have to get the 150 you don't want for the 50 you do want. The problem is, and I know because I just moved and you'll have to find this out when you have to pick a cable package or choose not to get one or get satellite or whatever. It's really hard in streaming to closely match cable for any less than what you would pay with cable you know and netflix sounds cheap and it's like oh well i have netflix i don't need cable and maybe that's okay and you only use 15 but if you want a cable equivalent it costs what it costs because you're getting a lot of stuff for your whatever you pay your cable company yeah there's a lot of a lot of variety um a lot of bang for your buck i guess um and yeah, and I don't, and that's why I don't think that the future of cable is going to be one where you get to pick and choose. I think it's just going to stay this this bundling um, uh, plan because otherwise, you know, if you could pick and choose, I think that's what everybody would do. Oh, sure. I think everybody would wind up with like twelve or thirteen channels of their favorites, and the rest would fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I know which channel I would pick, probably above all other ones. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What, what would be your top three channels? I'm top curious. Top three? Top okay. three. All right. Um, you must number have. Number one. Yes. Must have channel of all time, HGTV. I would need to keep H. I love HGTV. Uh-huh. Um, so this is a, a fairly recent phenomenon. All right. We're, we're putting the brakes on the whole show because I really <laughs> want to focus on this for a minute. Matt. Tell me all about HGTV. I have been recently exposed to the show House Hunters. This is new. You hadn't you hadn't seen this before. I had not seen House Hunters before uh, uh, before the summer. I'll say that before the summer. But wow, I have officially now watched every House Hunters episode there is on Netflix. Oh my god! Uh, international and domestic. Oh my god! I this is the new ep- this is our whole episode right here because I could talk for hours about House Hunters. Let's let's go. I I happen to really like House Hunters, um, and I've I've watched other shows like Flip or Flop. Mm-hmm. I'm not too crazy about that because it's every episode I've watched they've always flipped. They've never flopped. And That's I, true. I, and I, I know there are probably episodes where they flop, but they're they're few and far between. Let me. And, t- the show should just be called Flip. Well, and all their, all their renovations look the same. Yes. They make the same true. house every that's, time. That's exactly. There's I, I, no I variety. strange, too. And, yeah. and they always every have the one they, problem in the beginning where they go, how are we going to pay for this? And they go to commercial break, and then when they come back, they figure out how they're going to pay for it. How to pay for it, yes. That, that, that kind of lost my appeal. Um, although I do kind of, I do occasionally like to see what they do, how they transform the old. It's not so much the final result right. to me. It's more how they do it. That's intriguing, and that's why I like other shows. Um, like, I'm blanking on the name, but it's the guy with the muscles. He has oh, the, big, the Mike Holmes guy. 
Yes. The, the one who the one who fixes stuff that's done badly. Yes. Yes. He's I great. Really, I like that show a lot. I think I've learned a lot from that show as well. Um, but all of all time, House Hunters. Oh, House Hunters is amazing. You know, Matt, fun fact. How many episodes a year do you think they make of House Hunters? Per year? In a calendar well, it's hard, year. It's hard to gauge because all the episodes on Netflix are a collection. Right. So I assume they've been made throughout the years. It's been on it for like, like, I don't know why. 20 years, it's why, been on forever. But I always get the feeling that they film, at least the domestic House Hunters, the U.S. one, it always seems like they're filming in like October or November. Everywhere they go, it seems like it's fall. I, I, I don't know what why that is, but like the leaves are always on the ground. People are always wearing coats. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, uh, if I had to guess, what, what they probably they probably do like twelve or thirteen episodes a year. Matt, what if I told you? And I swear to God, this is an <laughs> absolute fact that last year. I don't know how it's been historically. Last year, they made over 400 no. episodes no. of House Hunters. I swear no. to God, you can look this up. This is an absolute fact. They, at any given moment, okay, really? at any given moment, they have something like six crews actively shooting across the country. Oh my! They pump those out like in bulk. It's crazy because they are That's... so cheap and easy to make. That's true. They are. It doesn't seem like it would take a lot of work, but but why would they need to produce that many episodes? Because they're I, constantly on. If you watch the channel HGTV, they it's, are it's true. always on. And that's another thing we should talk about um, now that we're, we've we've gotten on the topic. Why does it seem like that's the the new the new norm for cable TV? It seems like the new norm is, and I can I can cite multiple examples where there's a network. And the network will run the same show, which probably I'm assuming is the show with the best ratings mm-hmm. at the time. And they're just going to they just show it. It seems like on a constant loop. And then they'll have like a special episode at like prime time. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to they'll go to like another show to throw it a bone for like the one hour time slot. Um, probably, you know, at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And then they but then they it's like. Like I'll I'll cite a couple of examples. HGTV with House Hunters mm-hmm. one. Um, you have Discovery Channel. They always are showing the. Um, is that the one that has no History Channel? Oh, has that American Pickers mm-hmm. or or um, Pawn Stars? Mm-hmm. Seems like it's on all the time. Um, Although recently they they've been showing a lot of aliens, like aliens, oh, ancient aliens, ancient and, aliens and stuff. Yeah, um, and TLC has the show with the little people, yep. little people, big world. Yeah, yeah. I I think they're. I think I'm, I I have two theories why they do that. Okay, one is if the show is serialized. Most of the examples you gave aren't, but if a show is serialized, where you have to watch week to week to get the story. Yeah, They like to rerun them beforehand because they have the assumption that people will tune in to catch up. The unscripted stuff, I actually think the streaming culture has played a role into this. And it's because historically, when you didn't have shows on demand, you kind of just watched what was on, right? And if you missed an episode, you missed an episode, and there wasn't anything you were going to do about it. But today, because 
all of our content is on demand. You can watch whole seasons at a time. I am re-watching right now Parks and Recreation for the 1,000th time. No exaggeration. It's ridiculous. I think that's why shows that have a healthy audience, American Pickers is maybe a good example, the ratings show that people will just put it on because they know what they're going to get, and it doesn't matter if they've seen it or they haven't seen it. It's just that th- there is an expectation. You know You know what one of the, in prime time, which stretches a little later than 11 p.m., the top-rated shows on all of TV, including the major networks, are Adult Swim reruns, Family Guy, American Dad, whatever else they air. The you know, future, no, they don't air Futurama anymore. Whatever they air now, and that is because the the demographics of you know young males really who are mostly watch Adult Swim, they will just put it on and watch it, even if they've seen it a thousand times. It is it is an interesting shift. I think it's it's a more recent shift than it's ever been, um, but I guess it pays. It seems like the the TV has become more like a background fixture, you know, like something that emanates background noise, like mm-hmm. similar to the radio, how the radio was, you know, when the, when the television was popular in the, in the 50s and 60s, how the radio would be something you would put on for like that while you were working on your car or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, working around the house, you'd have the radio on now. It seems like having the TV on, it's not really something, it's not really something that you're focusing on. Well, how often? Just, just have it as background noise. How often do you, do, you watch TV like this? On your phone? I do it all the time. All I do the it time. All the time. I have, I have yeah. I, I just actually recently, way too recently than I should have, discovered the Netflix app on my phone. Um, <laughs> definitely should have known about that like a year ago. But yeah. Uh, that's dangerous now because instead of you know like reading Wikipedia and, and learning about stuff, I'm I'm watching Star Trek Nemesis or something. Exactly. I, I mean, it's it's and channel flipping with the availability of all these channels and having multiple devices. I really think that there is something to be said for the comfortability of you know when you tune into House Hunters, you know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, there is. Yeah. Very little surprise. And that's just it. Streaming, that's when you have the intentionality, I think. When you're streaming something, you're watching it on Netflix, you are sitting down and the thing you're paying attention to is Netflix. Now, this isn't always the case, but I think you're you're doing that more often than if you were to turn on the TV and whatever's on is just background noise so you're not quite as lonely or whatever, alone with your own thoughts. You're just... It's just something else to to not really focus on, but just to have in the background. And and that's where the value of shooting 400 of them a year comes in. Odds are good when you tune it on, it's one you haven't seen before, right? (laughs) I mean, statistically, that is very likely the case. And, and, you know, that's valuable for HGTV because you're more likely to stick around at whatever random time of the day it is. Fun fact about House Hunters, for our, our listeners out there, I'm sure that you, as a House Hunters fan sean i'm sure you know this fact but uh, a little fun fact is that um the buyers actually know which house they're going to buy beforehand oh sure they've actually already bought it they've already made their decision before the show has even begun and the whole thing is just basically an act many times the the other two houses they see are ones that they never even looked at in their original search Uh, they're just houses that were on the market at the time what I'd like to see is the House Hunters episode where they like one of the 
pre-selected houses better than their own house. And then they're forced to make a difficult decision on air. I'd basically like a live house hunters. Just live. I want it to be live. I think that would be fun. I mean, or the, unedited or something. The um, I have seen some where they don't choose a house at all. Yeah, um, I've seen I've seen those. Those are rare, um, but always fun. Yeah, that was the first time I saw that. It really took the ground out from under me. <laughs> it rocked like, your world. You didn't I even did, know it was possible. Was possible. Yeah, Is that I even did. an option? I was like, what? You, you're going to stay in your house you're in now? What? They do that a lot, or they do that more often, I think, in the international ones. Because yeah. a lot of the time, they don't really, they haven't really come to appreciate the place they're living in, or they haven't, like, really thought about that, oh, living on Easter Island is incredibly difficult because and very expensive. And, we're yeah. not native Easter Islanders. My wife is, I mean, my husband is Swedish, and I'm. Peruvian, and they won't let us live anywhere else but this one shack that we're kind of, we have to live here. <laughs> Bottom line. That is, so Matt, I gotta ask you, because this is, it's a controversial House Hunters question. I yes. have an opinion, I know a lot of people have opinions, which is better, domestic or international? Wow, alright. So, I actually just, I've, I've had this debate before. I've had this debate a couple times before. I've had it with my mom and my sister, and I've had it with my girlfriend. Um, everybody seems like they have their own favorite between international and domestic. I happen to like neither. My favorite house hunters is the little house hunters. Oh my god, man! Why do you do this? You always make the wrong decision. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. I'm just Come kidding. On. I'm just, I just wanted that to, wouldn't I surprise me. To mention that one. That um, would not surprise me. No, no, no. That was. Um, I actually like. I like the domestic one better. Because um, usually the international house hunters, the international house hunters is them renting and they're not mm -hmm. buying. And I just think it's more exciting to to see what happens when they buy something and then like kind of make it their own. Um, also, I feel like the the international ones. I get really mad at the people's life choices. If that makes any sense, it makes perfect sense. For example, there was a couple that was moving from I believe Minnesota, and they had nine children, and they were moving to Italy. And they decided to just give up their business, like their family business. They decided to just give up, give Drop up everything with nine children and be like, all right, we're going to start over again in Turin or whatever, where, whatever part of Italy they decided to live in. And they're just like, um, Trieste or might've been Trieste. I don't remember somewhere in in like the italian alps and they're just like oh we're gonna just uproot our lives and move here like that happens i i always hate the I get um, frustrated i'm just like why why would you do that you just gave up your, your opinion like at least get a job at least find find an occupation find a means to support yourself before you decided to go all crazy like that and it seems to happen more in the international ones oh yeah in the domestic it's a lot of people moving for work mm -hmm. it's a lot of people like being relocated for work but an international is just like, I decided to live in the outskirts of Mongolia. Yeah, they like, always have the stupidest. Yeah. I'm, I'm always annoyed at the uh, at when it's the couple and the, you know, and the guys like, uh, you know, oh, I'm a sales executive. I'm going to work from home at my, uh, you know, island shack in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah, how do you think that's a good idea? 
<laughs> like, uh, like honestly, it's one thing if you're retiring or you're buying a second home, okay, you know. But it's like, no, we're gonna drop everything and move there because I can, I can work from this island where it's got a dial-up connection and the nearest airport is eight hours away. It's like I don't. Well, it's it's always been my life's dream to live in a city where people ride scooters and bike to work. <laughs> they do do that. So I'm going to move to Italy, or Ugh. I'm going to move to this like. Barbados or some island in the Pacific and okay that's great but you know you gotta you gotta eat somehow and it's not gonna be fishing so or you know mashing coconuts together so get a career first and then you can move I don't know they, they need to do a spinoff where it's like House Hunters Ruined My Life and it's the follow-up yes. to those people and they're like destitute and homeless on this island because well, they couldn't figure also, out what you're what you're not getting from that you're getting the bottom line cost of the house, but they never tell you what the utilities cost. They well, never tell you what the co- the average cost of living is. I mean, you can go and look it all up. But but, but even renovation costs. What's amazing is some of yeah. these episodes they explain where they're like, oh, if you want to get a refrigerator, they have to ship it in from the United States. It's got to be enormously expensive to do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. No, I you know I agree that domestic is better for the main reason that I can't relate to the international. Cause I go to these places and be like, Oh, this house costs a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, I don't understand. Is that a lot? Is that like really cheap for the area? Is it like yeah. the house looks nice, but then it's kind of, it's on a they cliff. Never, and, and no matter what the currency is always, it always seems to be in us dollars. Um, and that can translate to, you know, a good deal or a terrible deal. I, based I don't, on, it's very on what odd. they're actually paying. Domestic, I get. It's like okay, we're in exchange. You know, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have a two hundred thousand dollar budget. It's like okay, I know what kind of house you're going to look at. Yeah, you can relate to that, and you can be like, well, cost of living in North Carolina is relatively cheap, so you should be fine. Like, but, but you go to Venezuela, and it's like you know, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, no. you know, it like looks really shitty on camera, and then they're like, <laughs> this is really great, and I'm like, this is it? <laughs> Is it? I can't. I don't know. Is this like really Capital nice for the area? Show, like the beautiful palm trees. Is and it surrounded beach? by shacks and shanties? And yeah. this is like the mansion? <laughs> I don't know. I have no sense of reference. So that was like there was one episode where they the, this couple moved from I think Canada to South Africa, and they're just like, oh, this is great because there's a there's giraffes that come right up to your house and can drink out of the pool. How magical! And then it's like, oh, that's the part of South Africa that happens to have really high mortality rates because of malaria. It's like, oh, I don't know. White people I, are the I, worst. I domestic is the way to go. You can just relate to it better. Uh, not, I mean, I, I do enjoy. I enjoy. That's the thing is, I enjoy the international house hunters, not for the house hunterness itself. But more for the for the comedy of the story. Oh, totally. No, listen. House Hunters is great for two things: one, entertaining people, and two, just looking at what houses look like and what you can get for your money yeah. in different places. That's um, awesome. Um, that being said, I want to know, Sean, what is the most entertaining episode of House Hunters you've ever seen? I want to see if it's the same one that I came up with because. Oh. I, I don't. I've seen so many. I really don't have a memory for it. One, do one... you remember the <laughs> episode? Ahead. Do you remember the episode where the 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 I think it was in Boston, and the it was a couple, and the girl was afraid of ghosts. I 
Yeah, I think I do remember and that. She actually put on her on her list, on her like wish list, no ghosts. No ghosts popped actually popped up on the on the on the list. Did they that find one without a ghost? Because every house they looked at, her first question was usually something along the lines of Oh, can we take out that corner over there? It looks like a place that would have ghosts. Can we remove this radiator? Because the ghosts get into the house through the radiator. That's awesome. Um, I don't like Victorian houses. Can we not look at any Victorian houses? Those seem like the kind of houses that would be populated by ghosts. It was just insane. And I do a real, a real treasure to watch. Especially the, the facial expressions of the, the man. Her man friend, whether it was her her boyfriend or her fiance, and he he's just sitting there, and he just every time she brings up ghosts, I I could just see in his eyes he dies a little bit inside. <laughs> he's just like, I just got saddled with this. She actually, fun fact, I think she worked for Google, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're pretty crazy over there. <laughs> that sounds about right. No, you you did remind me of one that I particularly enjoyed, where it was a a, a young couple. It was their first house, and they were really. They weren't quite goth, but they were kind of dark and quirky. And they're like, we want a place with a lot of character. And we want like an old Victorian with like secret passageways and all kinds of quirky, crazy stuff. That wasn't, I mean, that was relatively entertaining. The best part was like a year later, I was watching House Hunters. They were on it again, the same people. And they start the second episode by, yeah, we bought that house before. And turns out it's a stupid idea to buy a house that's quirky and full of weird stuff. We hate it. We now need a normal house because we're adults now. It was great. It was That's such, really great. and they That's like played like, clips from the old it's one. It's like serialization right there. It really is. It's like and now we're buying our second house, and they looked at like really traditional, like modern, like normal houses. They're That's like, awesome. They're like, yeah, we really regretted doing that. <laughs> I was like, yes. like downs and like a tie. They were. I swear to God, they were like young professionals all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and they showed the old clips, and you're like, I forgot about them. They were totally crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, that's a PSA for for our listeners. You're not supposed to buy a house with character I mean, with house, a lot of character. House Hunters Unless is an you're educational to show. Spend a lot of money and time, you know, fixing things. You can really learn a lot watching House Hunters. Yeah, you can. Um, I uh, probably my favorite thing to do while I'm watching the show, especially if I'm watching it with with someone else. Um. Is to you, everybody, and I'm sure everybody who watches it does it. You take bets on which house they're going to wind up with. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's, that's the most, to me, that's the most entertaining Do part. Do you know about the drinking game? There's a drinking game for oh, House Hunters. That, this, that seems like the perfect show. And it's, for- it's really house rules, but it's things like, you know, um, I, need, I need space for entertaining. Yeah. Um, a fenced in backyard for the dog. Um, open concept. Um, what else? House with with uh, character. Yeah, character. A lot of people, charm. A lot of people charm. say charm. they want a house with charm. There's uh, what else? There there are a lot of good ones. A great great commute to work. Oh, great commute to work. I mean, it's normal. And that's, that's like you that's you take for the international ones. You yeah. take two drinks if they need space for their band. Because <laughs> that's always a fun one. I mean, and so and then they get you get into some of the really weird and wacky ones. Because they're gonna make it big someday. Oh, you take a drink if they complain about the paint color. Because it's stupid because oh, yeah. they can change it. That's a great yeah. one. A lot of the times they do that. Count, these are great countertops. Counter- That's a big, big one. People saying, I hate granite or yeah. I love granite. Because usually right. it's one or the granite. other. No Issuing one's ever just okay with it. Granite. Yeah. 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 People, people get so divided about granite countertops on, that, on those shows. Do you, do you like true. granite countertops, Matt? 
I happen to be a big fan of granite countertops. No, see, I hate granite countertops. I love granite countertops. See, that's exactly it. But it's different styles. Yeah. It, it really depends on the cabinets and, and sort of the paint. A lot of the, it, There's a lot of factors going I'm, on. I'm My just... ideal kitchen is a blue, blue walls, like sky blue, with granite countertops. I'm glad we're talking kitchen design on our Future of Entertainment episode. How did this happen? I apologize for anyone watching. We really spun our wheels on this we one. Really, we're really riffing hard. <laughs> Quite Indeed. Hard. Yeah, no, we were talking about our favorite cable channels, I think, originally. Yeah, and that somehow devolved into a giant um, House Hunters, House Hunters discussion, riff. which was great. I I wouldn't take it back for anything. No, my 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 go to is uh, CNN and ESPN. My TV's always tuned to one or the other. Yeah, that, I was I listed my yeah HGTV would be would be probably my second priority wise. ESPN would be the first, and then the third would be whatever. Uh, I'd probably go with whatever local sports. Well, it's, network. I it's mean, the live stuff. Like, that's what it is. It's the live stuff. It's the live news. It's the live sports. Yeah. It's it's that's, that's why you it. watch TV. Um, but then even then, I, I mean, I would I would be willing to pay extra for like a little like a package deal so I can watch all the football I want or all the baseball I want. So I don't, I'm not watching it for constant analysis when a game isn't on. No. I'm really just watching it when there's a game on, pretty much. But that's the ripoff of these services like Sunday Ticket and uh, the MLB, whatever theirs is, um, those giant packages where, you know, I'm not going to spend $400 a year so I can watch my, my team out of market, you know? Right. And then sometimes it doesn't work. You get gray areas. Your network fights with Time Warner, and you can't watch the Pats game. And That sucks. Yeah. I'm going to be watching a lot of Texans games. A lot of Texans. Huh? A lot of Texans games. Uh, books. I want to make sure we talk about books before we yeah, run out let's of time. Get, let's get there. Books. The future of entertainment. Books. Matt, I got to tell you. Tell me. I am Sunday. I am flying out of the country. Okay. And not just because Donald Trump is the Republican <laughs> nominee. No, it is for work. I'm going to the Netherlands. You know, with the windmills yes. and the wooden clogs and the whole... And the Stroopwafels. And Stroopwafels. Make sure you get yourself a Stroopwafel. They came out on the plane. I mean, everyone loves Stroopwafel. Um, Actually, actually, a bit of a sidebar. But um, I was looking at, because I'm there over a weekend, and so I was looking for, like, things to do. And there are these, um, there's this thing where you can, you pay, like, a couple, and you go into their apartment, and they cook you dinner, like a three-course dinner, and you sit and eat dinner with them. Yeah, this is, uh, so it's like Airbnb almost, right? Yes. But without the... Except I forget for what it's called. I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I realized as an American traveling alone in a foreign country, uh, we're getting into taken territory, and I probably shouldn't yeah. sign up for that. Probably not. Um, I mean, I've heard I've heard great things. I've heard terrible things. It's I'm like, sure. And it's uh, Amsterdam. Roll the dice? Roll the a, lot, dice. a lot of legal things there, you know? Yes. Don't know what you're getting into. That is true. I think the only place I would ever consider doing that would be Canada. I think Canadians seem pretty awesome. I think Dan Miller's done those in New York. He's done what? He's done those in New York City. Oh, he's actually done it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he has. He's said nice things. He still lives. My my hotel does have one of those uh, all-nude European spas in them. So maybe we'll do that. Uh, But you didn't need to know that. Anyway, I'm traveling out of the country, and so I, I had to get books to read on the plane and in my downtime. Um because there'll be some of that. I got paper books, Matt. You got paper books? I got books? paper books. I, I have an iPad. I have are the Kindle app. Are you one of those people that's like, 
I can't read on an e-reader because it's no, not. I read on an e-reader all the time. That's the that's the confusing part. What? All right. That and that is the question we're not... gonna. That's what we're gonna discuss. Okay. Digital books, paper books, Matt. When do you buy either or neither? Okay. For me, it's a simple one here. Um, and maybe this is just the teacher and me talking. I buy the books that number one they they meet certain criteria. Number one. I'm going to be do, I'm going to be doing a lot of like uh, rereading and like pulling it out and and consulting it mm-hmm. and like going like that route. Um, uh, number two, I really like the books that make me look really professional and smart to be hard like material books because as someone who would have a library in their house, I want to be able to. To show off that, and I think that's the main thing that we're lo- we were losing in the um, the transition or the sharing with with e-readers is we're losing like those collections of books. Like it, it's like another like a collector of anything, a collector of cards, a collector of stamps mm-hmm. or coins. Uh, you, you know, you collect good books, or you collect like ancient books, or you collect books that you like, and you can display them in a bookshelf. Um, you can't do that, you know. You can show people your collection of ebooks, but you don't. I don't. I don't know. The ownership doesn't really feel feel as solid or concrete. Um, now, the great thing about ebooks, e-reader, when you when you download e-reader, is 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 going on a trip, which is why I can't figure out why you got paperback books. Several going on a trip Several. anywhere. One, really, one hardcover. <laughs> that's the and they're hardcover. Great. Well. I guess that means that they're sturdier, but they're also a lot more inconvenient to carry around and pack with you. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're traveling anywhere, the e the e reader's awesome. The e reader's amazing for that. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, I I I might have knocked it a little bit earlier, but I I'm kind of one of those people that is like. When I'm reading, I, I like it. I definitely prefer it to be like a, a book where I'm actually turning the pages and instead of looking at a screen. But I, I don't really – I'm not opposed to the e-reader. Because I know I actually know a lot of people who are so completely turned off by e-readers because they they don't like looking at the screen mm-hmm. or they think they, they, it feels to them like they're not actually reading a book. Um, but why do you think you bought hard books well so i do buy both i do buy it both ways and i in usual sean fashion have a weird construct as to why i do one or the other um i basically buy ebooks for two reasons one it's a book i have no intention of ever reading again two it is significantly cheaper to buy digital like to the tune of you know 20 percent of the cost or 10 percent. i mean it's got to be really you know going from 10 bucks to a buck 99 yeah otherwise or it's out of print and it's only available digital, which has happened to me before as well. Or, or a print copy is hard to find. Um, otherwise, I buy print, and here's why. Matt, when I moved into this apartment, I had almost no furniture. Okay, The last place where I lived, a lot of the furniture I gave away, and even that was a studio apartment. So I really didn't have any furniture. I had to go buy, I bought a couch and a dining set. I had to go buy a bunch of furniture. Do you know what the first piece of furniture I bought was, Matt? Um, a what a dining room table? No, a bookcase, Matt. A bookcase, a, bookcase. a beautiful, 
that. Yeah. Beautiful bookcase. It is it is my favorite piece of furniture I own. It's gorgeous because I want to display all of the books I've I've collected. And I only display books that I'm like have really enjoyed. They're just not just every book I've ever purchased. Because yeah. I give books away or they're digital and I, you know it doesn't matter. But that is one of the key reasons I buy paper books. The other is that I read them on my my iPad here. Okay, iPad Mini, uh, a bit one of the older models. The screen isn't great. It really isn't. Like the the paper, the e ink readers, I think are a lot better. Reading on this, I find really difficult with my eyes. A, the font isn't as crisp, and I think it's a little harder to to read. But also B, my eyes don't track as well. I find myself jumping all over the page. Again, I have a feeling this is a Sean problem, um, but I genuinely can't keep track of where I am when I'm reading a digital book because you don't now, have the tactile feedback. In the, I'm not. I've never used an iPad to read a digital book. I, I mainly use my phone, um, and I have a Kindle uh, that I use on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know with both of those, you can adjust the font size yes. and the font type. Yes, and the colors and, and all of it. The iPad, you can do that as and well. And I just, I just have a problem. Um, you can, you can change the background to yep. like black and okay. Yeah, if you want a black background with white text, you can do that. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about it where I don't. I mean, here I can show you. You know, I mean, it's it, you get the glare from from the lights, and you get it's different. The, yeah, it's it's definitely different from reading a. Um, in a traditional way. And, and by the way, if you're looking for something great to read, I'm, I was just finishing up uh, the... Uh, ga- you read the Game Change books? Yes, I, I read the first one. Oh, well, read... This is Double Down, the second one on the 2012 election. Very good. Uh, but get it in paper. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just don't... I just don't enjoy it. An Airplane is a great example where I, I finished a paper book and, and then started a digital book. And I couldn't... I just, I couldn't adjust to the digital book, but I think that's a me problem. I think when we talk about the future of entertainment, um, I, I call bullshit on this no paper books thing. I really do. I, yeah. think, it, I think it will shrink. I think, I think it will be a shrinking market. I, I don't disagree with that, but people, I think, I think there is just an effect that paper books have i don't and i I don't want to be that guy who's like oh you gotta feel the paper and it's like having it just the words are come alive when they're in your hands it's like no 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 no. i'm not saying that what i'm just saying is that it's hard on the device takes you out of the fact you're reading a book maybe that's how i want to describe it you don't feel like you're reading a book it's like you're on twitter or facebook or you're reading a a news article it doesn't feel like you're reading a book that's that's what i was also gonna gonna get at is that when you're when you're reading it on a device, it's so easy to click off the book and, and just let your mind wander. Like if you wanted to look up a fact or something in the book, you look it up and then you're like, oh, and oh, and that article leads you to this article and that page leads you to that page. Like, and I'll watch a video about this. And before you know it, you've only read two pages of your actual book and you've just gone on a giant internet adventure for like an hour and a half. Um, uh, and with a book, I feel like you're, you, it's it's like a mental vacation, like a hard book. Like you can just sit there and just read it, and you know, be able to put your device down. It's kind of like a break from from that like constant information feed. Well, I, I spend, I, I kid you not, I, I must spend 
80% of my waking hours staring at a screen of some kind. It is my job. It is what I do when I get home. It is what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at two screens. Um, I, you constantly do it. And I think the, the paper book has a different effect because it is out of the norm for most people. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a book called The Late Shift uh, by Bill Carter. Great book. It was about when um, Leno, Jay Leno and uh, David Letterman fought over Johnny Carson's Tonight Show when he retired back in the 80s. Um, and of course, uh, Jay Leno ended up getting it and Letterman went to CBS. It's a very fascinating book. Problem is it's been out of print for years. So I had to buy an old, not super ratty, but well-used paperback version on Amazon. And I tell, you know, and I, I hear myself saying it and I gag a little bit in my mouth because it's so cheesy, but, but it felt grittier because I was physically holding this old copy that had clearly been read by a lot of people, um, that the story felt different. I don't know. It just feels really cold reading it on a, on a tablet. And, and again, I am gagging in the back of my mouth because it is really no, cheesy, but no, I, I actually had a very similar situation with the book, the road, mm-hmm. say, um, Sort of like a, I don't know if I would call it science fiction, maybe a little bit science fiction, but it's more it's more like a dystopian. They made a movie out of that, didn't they? They did. They turned it into that. a movie with Viggo Mortensen. Yes. Um, uh, the uh, the road. I actually the copy that I wound up getting was very similar. It was a um, a library copy that they, the library was selling at one of their book sales, and I got it for very cheap, like uh, twenty five cents or something. And it was an incredibly well-worn, used copy. Coffee stains on, like, every other page or something, you know. Um, dog-eared. And it, it just led the it led itself better to the, to the story. Because the holding that book that had been so well-read and so used, it, 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 it added almost to the environment in and, and that, like you know, dredged, uh, post-apocalyptic kind of, kind of way. Um, and that was cool. And that's something you can't, you really can't emulate that on an e-reader. Um, I think, you know, as I sit here thinking about it, when you, when, when you go page to page on a digital device and you swipe or you, you tap a button, there's really no distinction page to page. You know, books are printed in a certain manner where the pages are broken up in a certain way. And you lose that when you get on an e-device because you adjust the font size and you tweak things. So the pages don't fall really as, as they were originally intended um, in, in, a, in a print copy. And I just think flipping a page for as lame as it sounds is an indication that the story's progressing, is an indication that you've moved from one thing to the next. And again, like with my eyes where I can't track words on a digital screen, they all start to blend together after a while. Um, especially because I like a little bit of a bigger font size I, and I'm a fast reader. I flip pages a lot. And when you do it on paper, it's not as extreme. I don't know. You know, I I think there is absolutely value in digital books. For example, textbooks, I think are a good example of something. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe. I don't know, because I go back and forth, because I see the value in having the print version, because you can write on it and draw on it and share it with people. But if you've got a big enough tablet, you can write on it and draw on it. And then you get interactive things and you get videos and you get other things thrown in right um, or you could be like me and just get it so you look like a big smarty pants exactly you know carry it around for the ladies show them how smart you are 
<laughs> you know, you just put it on a shelf and oh, what's that you're reading? Oh, the dictionary. Yes. <laughs> Matt, why do you have uh, you know uh, writing for dummies up on your uh, up on your bookshelf? You've caught me reading. I'm a smart guy. I'm a big smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, I I just um I I definitely think there's value in 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 ebooks and and I will continue to read them. Um but I will if it's a book I think I'm really going to enjoy, I'm going to get it in paper. Yeah. I get a lot of junk food books through e-reader. What do I junk food meaning like just I read a lot of really junky science fiction like crap oh 99 cent kind of kind of like cereals that's that's my big like enjoyment when when it comes if i'm not reading something you know like scientific or historical i'm probably reading like a crap cereal from like one of the star wars eu books or something Mm -hmm. i get a lot of those on kindle Um, yeah those are great they're really cheap and you know uh and then i then they're not like laying around my house and like I have to explain why I have the entire collection of like the Thrawn trilogy or something. And can 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 I admit something? Go for it. I may have on occasion purchased a book digitally and enjoyed it so much I went and bought the paper version. Wow, <laughs> which you've is done which that? is pretty stupid. Um, I've considered doing that actually, but I've never actually done it. But I I don't know. And again, this is my head, which is not normal. But there is something I get satisfaction out of seeing a book on a shelf. That I really enjoy, yeah. And, and I, because I, I forget no. about them, I forget that I own them and I read them when I don't physically have them. Because I will go through my Kindle library and be like, I forgot. And I, I you know, th- there's something again about having them physically where they're in front of you, they're there physically. Right. I'm weird. I, it's uh, I know. I, I, know I mean, <laughs> it's definitely something that I've I've considered buying a, another book that I've had on Kindle. Um, have I ever recommended to you one summer? One summer. I think you might have. I think that might have been a recommendation. Because um, I feel like you'd really enjoy that book. I would just think about that. I read that one digitally. Digital books definitely have their place. Um, but again, I, I don't think that the hard copies are going anywhere. But you don't but even... But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to rep for for magazines too though cuz uh for example, I subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. They talk about entertainment every week and uh I get the paper version, but they also give me the digital version for free. You know, because I pay for the paper version. I don't like the digital version. I like the paper version better. Yeah. It doesn't add anything for me to have it digitally. Um now if I had the choice between buying one or the other, I'd still I I just don't know. I guess I guess I just like the distinction between long-form written content like a magazine or a book and short-form written content like Twitter and Facebook and news articles. You know what I mean? I I like the fact that there is a distinction having one digitally and one physically that tells them apart because when you get a magazine on an iPad, it just starts to feel... It feels less important. It feels like... It feels like you're reading a news article on the internet. And then I get bored with it more quickly, and then I don't read things... I flick through yeah. things more quickly, because it's like, all right, I wouldn't... Whereas in the paper version, I might start reading the first few lines and get more interested. I mean, you really you really don't give it as much attention. I don't, anyway. Yeah, I'm a subscriber to The Economist. 
You're so much smarter <laughs> than me. I'm not. A, I, I'm not like, to, to, I like Entertainment Weekly. They tell me what's new I'm in not movies. Put myself on a pedestal, but yeah, like I agree with the economist from time to time. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm, I will say I'm not a paid subscriber. I just subscribe with my email. Any any idiot can do that. I don't. I don't pay the money. Fair anywhere. enough. But. Um, they they send me like their email and it and it comes in a digital form and I I basically now I'm just saying nowadays I just put it right in junk because if anything I want to read if I if I have some time and I'm like I want to look at the Economist I'll go on their website and I'll like read one of the 50 million articles they have for free on their website which are in my opinion just as good as the editors picks that they keep sending me every month mm-hmm. um, or every other week uh, so you you mean those with with that format i think i think having it in paper just kind of feels like it means more i don't know why that is it feels cheaper when it's not when it's there digitally now what about audiobooks um i wish i had more time to listen to audiobooks i actually really yeah. enjoy audiobooks i don't think i could switch 100% cuz i don't think anyone has time for that the problem is it's time cons- it's just really time consuming um especially cuz i'm a, a pretty quick reader um Audiobooks take a lot of time, but gosh, yeah, I haven't listened to an audiobook in a while. I really enjoyed it. There was a while there where I was a game change was a great one. I listened to an audiobook. Yeah. Um, and I could see that being a great one. And uh, I really, um, oh, well, I recommended Anthony Bourdain's uh, book on audio, which yes. was great. That was an awesome recommendation. It's it's uh, good when the authors or the subjects themselves yeah. read it. Um, uh, I've been told if you haven't read the Harry Potter books and ever want to, uh, I've been told that the, uh, Stephen Stephen Fry does a very good job <laughs> reading the uh, Harry Potter books. I bet that's a fun one. Problem is, audiobooks are expensive. They are. They're very expensive. I mean, you, I, you, it's uh, quality, but you you pay for it, especially next to a book. You know, why would I want something that takes a lot of time and is really expensive? That's. The, I guess the convenience factor is really so you can listen to it while you're driving. Right. Well, that's I, the only, I think I, that's the only time I ever really get audiobooks is if I have a long drive. Well, think about people like Colby, who listens to podcasts 24 hours a day. I don't understand how he listens to the number of podcasts he listens to, including this show. <laughs> he somehow squeezes in. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Colby. I, I, I don't understand it. But he's the consumer for that. Someone who has it on the background, like you said, when they're working out or commuting or walking the dog or who constantly has it playing in their house. Or um, Yeah, I try to do that. I try to listen to podcasts a lot. I listen to them on my commute, um, including this one. Um, uh, I, and, I'll, and I'll have it on in the background when I'm working or, or around the home or doing something. But I, I feel like I can only really pay attention to it like 10% of the time like or 20% of the time. I can never really like give it the full attention that I want to give it. Like I'll, I can't just sit in a dark room and listen to a podcast and, and just focus on it. Well, I think that's the difference between a podcast and an audiobook is you can you can half listen to a podcast and get it or miss some of the podcast and get it. On audiobook you really can't do that. It does require some amount of mental attention. Um that makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, in order to reap the full the full benefit. Matt, we are out of time for tonight. I think I think we've reached some really important conclusions about the future of entertainment that the future of TV is in House Hunters. The future in books is in the hundreds-year-old uh, technology of paper, um, and that the future of audio is in people talking. So I, I, 
we've reached some really strong conclusions here. Indeed. And that's why we're the best. <laughs> but you know what, Matt? There's one form of media that will never change. This Matt show. This show. That okay. is the show. That's right. right. Audio and video. And you can check it out on our website, upfordebate.tv. I recommend you go there and here is why. Because we've got every episode we've ever done is there on the website. And there are some doozies, including this one. Uh, you can check them out. And I recommend you click the uh, subscribe button. And here's why. It's got links to everywhere you can follow the show, including iTunes Radio, um, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. Soon we're going to be on TuneIn. Uh, not yet, though, but soon. Um, where else? RSS, most major podcast apps. Of course, on YouTube, subscribe to the video versions. We do it in HD. It looks great. Um, SoundCloud. Jesus Christ, we're everywhere. And you can follow us at Up for Debate on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Up for Debate TV. Do that because we stream the show live occasionally. So you might, you know, if you like it, it shows up in your feed when we go live. You don't even have to do anything. Um, it does it all automatically and then you can just listen and, and then comment in Facebook and we'll talk about your comments. It's, it'll be a whole thing. We, we should do that. Once we get some amount of audience going, which will never happen, but, uh, we should do a question and answer show where we solicit questions and we answer that them. That would be great. And a, and a mailbag where we answer people's emails. You know what we should do we really should at malls and live events and stuff where people want to actually right. have us and. All right. And, uh, maybe Matt, we should get a big billboard with both our faces on. People it. don't even want us on the internet. Never mind in person. Um, no, <laughs> what we really should do is bug our friends for questions um, and come with them prepared. We'll just have to do that sometime, or just make them up. We do. Hey, you know, we we've done shadier things. Um, <laughs> so check us out in all those places. We will be back next time with uh, more fantastic content. Matt, anything else you'd like to to say before we conclude? Uh, I think that the future of media is in great hands ours we are the futures of media i i couldn't have said it any better myself on behalf of matt this is sean thanks to everybody for joining us and we can't wait to see you next time for even more exciting debates on up for debate I hope you're up for them. <laughs> this has been up for debate a coffee and beer podcast production